My name is Dr. Michael Brown, and this is Three Words, a bite-sized podcast about the simple and yet very strategic choices that all of us can make in order to be fully alive. Speaking of being fully alive, today in the studio today is Jaden McKinstry, who battled back from stage four cancer at 16 years old to become a fully scholarship division one football player. And the three words are believe in miracles and believe in miracles he does because he himself is a walking miracle. Not only after 55 weeks of chemotherapy and cancer treatment, did he come back to be fully himself, but he's also competing at the highest level and he gives his credit to God and to his faith and to his friends and to his family. You are going to want to hear this story. It is an extraordinary journey that you will want to check out. Listen in. So Jaden, I shared this with you off camera, but it is a rare occasion when I have a student athlete sitting in the studio with me because I am very particular about who I engage in a conversation with because I want our conversations and the stories that our viewers and listeners hear on Three Words Podcast to be truly inspired. But the more I've gotten to know you in the last year and a half and the more that your story has just captured my heart and literally the hearts of millions of people, um, I just wanted to have the opportunity to share it with Three Words Podcast and the people who tune into our particular um, platform. So with that said, would you, Jaden McKinstry, be kind enough to share with us our three words for today? Believe in miracles. Believe in miracles. My friend, my brother, and you are family now. We talk about that. We are family. We are. And, um, you know, you really are not just an example of what it means to believe in miracle. You are a walking miracle. And so I, I, I work with skeptics all the time. I spend time with a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds. And they, I have some friends and uh, even colleagues who would say, unless you can prove it, it's not true. And miracles are kind of that interesting phenomenon. They seem mystical. They seem spiritual. Some would even kind of put them in the category religious. But you and I would share the belief that we truly can believe in miracles and that miracles are real. 100%. And, and I guess I'm just curious if we could just hear a little bit more of your story. And I'm just going to kind of kick it off if I can um, with uh, 16 years old, playing basketball. Tell the story, my friend. Yeah, I was uh, 16 years old, um, playing AAU basketball, you know, just another ordinary weekend with my friends and everything. And uh, went up for a dunk and everything changed right there. Um, took a really bad knee to my groin and you know, it swelled up really bad. I was in a lot of pain. Uh, I had to sit out for the rest of the game and I had no clue what was going on. I was so confused. I just thought I had like a hernia or something. Yeah. What hurt? And, um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so after that, um, kind of waited a couple of weeks. Uh, it got, it got worse. And, uh, my mom was like, okay, we need to go to the hospital. So, you know, went to the hospital. They're like, all right, it's probably just, you know, clotted blood and something normal, you know, I thought mm-hmm. it was. And, uh, so we did surgery, and um, that's when they came back and you know told my mom that they found a tumor inside when uh, they were trying to clean everything out. Mm-hmm. So. And so the diagnosis was, if I recall, stage four cancer. Yeah, yeah. rhabdomyosarcoma. And I was, I'm glad you said it because I wasn't going to be able to repeat it, but it sounded quite serious. And they, your prognosis was 50-50 mm-hmm. is what they said? See, I had no clue. My mom didn't tell me. She didn't any tell of you that. that. Okay. She didn't tell me any of that until after the fact that I had beat it. Um, she told mm-hmm. me then 
that it was stage four and then that they gave me a 50-50 chance to to beat the whole thing. So when that happened and you were diagnosed with camp cancer, can you kind of unpack what you were feeling, experiencing in those days and weeks? I was just angry. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sad a lot, which was kind of weird, but I was more angry than anything. Um, just kind of mad that I was being taken away from, you know, stuff I love to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of blame God a little bit for that, you know, because... I felt that, you know, why why does this have to happen to me, you know, kind of thing. So I kind of lost faith a little bit in him and uh, in those first couple of months. But, um, you know, my Aunt Pat, she's a pastor. At, um, she kind of told me, like, you can't you can't lose your faith. You know, he, God does everything for a reason, and his reason is bigger than this. So you just got to keep fighting. You were 16 years old. Yes, sir diagnosed with stage four cancer in the middle of your high school athletic career. I mean, obviously you were playing football and basketball. Mm -hmm. And so you couldn't play either sport at that point in time. I had to take a full year off of uh, school and sports. Because you were at the University of Cincinnati, uh, excuse me, Cincinnati Children's Hospital for 55 weeks of treatment. This was a serious, serious endeavor. And I was listening actually to the, you know, ESPN flew in and with their whole production team to our university and filmed a little short documentary on you about this story because you beat it. It was a... It, it's a miracle. It, it is a miracle. And not only that you beat it, but you are now a Division One football player at a Division One university here in Bowling Green, Ohio, which is why we, I pull, I saw you show up in orange. <laughs> I put on my orange you know, uh, shirt, and here we are talking about, obviously, an amazing opportunity, preferred walk-on, <laughs> and then Coach gave you a full scholarship uh, just last year. Yeah, he did. So my you, first year. So you had to prove yourself. Obviously, you were out there proving yourself and, and so forth. And, you know, it's interesting, my friend. I remember vividly. Uh, we were recounting this before we got on camera, but uh, this is your sophomore year. Going into your sophomore year, about to start your second football camp um, on Tuesday, which is obviously rigorous. <laughs> I'm I'm ready, but I'm not ready. Yeah. Well, and we're leading up to the very first game, which is UCLA. All right, at the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. That's right. So, so this yeah. is a big deal. And so, in about six weeks, I believe, if I do my math correctly, you're going to be in 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 LA and getting to show who you are in front of the whole world. But behind the scenes, I already know who you are. You are a young man who is truly elite. And that was actually the first conversation we had. You showed up as a, 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 a true freshman, um, not a, not a uh, transfer, but a true freshman on June 1st. And then I did a session with the entire football team as their life coach on June 3rd. And I was talking about what it meant to be elite. And of course, it was an acrostic, an extraordinary leader investing their time and energy to be elite. And you know, people I think enjoyed the session, but then you, I don't even know who you are, come darting for me at the uh, end of our session and you looked at me and you introduced yourself, you extended your hand and said, I want to work with you because I want to be elite. I was like, well, then afterwards I'm like, who is this freshman? Nobody does that. Because again, the maturity you have is beyond your years. And it's because you have been through so, so much at such a young age. A lot of 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. Are you 19 now? I'm 20. You're 20. Ooh, you're old. So you're in the the 20s now. But, I mean, think about all you've been through in this very short 
period of time. And so you have perspective that most 18, 19, 20-year-olds do not have. You understand vividly that life is short, that every day counts, that there's no guarantee of tomorrow. All the things that we talk about on three words, you are a living, walking example of that. And <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, you believe in miracles. Do believe in miracles. But, but why? Because of what you experience or because of what you've seen or how is your perspective? You truly believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because, you know, when you're at your lowest and, you know, you don't believe in miracles at that point, you know, you think everything's the worst and mm. it can't get any better than this. Um, it, it does, you know, and I really had to put my faith back in God and, you know, pray every night before I went to sleep and talk to him throughout the day, you know, when I was having a hard day going through chemo and everything like that. So it took a lot for me to gain my faith back, but also help me a lot. I'm going to hit pause right now and just acknowledge the conversation I'm having with Jaden is pretty intense as we're talking about recovering from cancer and battling severe illness. If you have a family member or a friend who's going through a lot right now, you might want to share this episode with them. Now back to the episode. I'm curious. You said that you felt more mad than sad. Mm-hmm. Were you actually in some of your conversations with God? Did you express your anger to him? I did a couple times. Okay. Um, How'd that feel? It felt good to let it out. Yeah. Kind of, you know, feels like you're you're talking to someone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were real and raw and you expressed your anger. Mm-hmm. And you said you'd lost your faith during that time. What did that look like? When you say lost your faith, was it questioning? Was it skepticism? Was it just distance? I kind of just thought, you know, if there is a God, why would he let stuff like this happen to people? You know, so... It was it was kind of hard for me to believe in, you know, someone that could be so good but let bad things happen to people. You have just posed a question that philosophers and human beings and quite honestly everyone on the planet has wrestled with at some point in their lives. The question, why would bad things happen to good people? That's the first question. Another question that you proposed is another big conversation. There's books written about it. Why would a good God allow something horrible to happen? And those are all huge questions to be grappling with at 16, 17, and 18 years old. And you had to wrestle through them. I did. But today, you stand in a place of strength. You sit in a place of faith. I do. And so you've actually seen what I think we all believe deep down, though we would never care to admit it, that pain and suffering and trouble and hardship if it's embraced, if it's even at times expected, if we're educated by it, we'll become better and not bitter. And we will admit that it has been good for us. Mm-hmm. Would you feel, uh, I'm curious, would you feel as though you are, and it's kind of a strange question because the, the question is, the answer is obvious, but do you feel like you're different now? Would you, ha- would you have been a different person today at 20 years old, Jaden, had this not happened to you? I would say yes, but it'd be mentally. Okay. I wouldn't be as mature as I am today only because I wouldn't know how important every, every day is, you know, waking up every morning, um, being able to see my family and things like that. You know, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't appreciate that as much as, you know, I do now because of what I went through before. So you hang out with obviously your friends on the football team and, you know, all across campus and probably at home as well that are your age 
they're probably pretty disrupted and discouraged and probably really concerned about a lot of things that you probably feel like are small. Do you feel like that's true or how is that? Um, How do you work through that? Because obviously you've been through so much and you understand big things. And so things that are small, is it hard to tolerate people complaining or just worried about things that seem so little? Like, you know, the, 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 the cream in my coffee wasn't enough or it's too, you know, I don't know. Not necessarily only because, you know, you can get caught in the moment with how you're feeling in the moment. Mm. So you could be worried about something little in that moment, but later realize I shouldn't have been upset about that because of how little it was. So I would say, you know, it's kind of based on situations, you know, um, how I feel in the situation. Sometimes I can just worry about little things because I'm just upset in the moment uh-huh. or I'm feeling worried about something in the moment. You know? Sure. But you're human. So you're still going to worry and you're still going to be concerned about things that maybe are a little small, but I'm guessing it's probably easier for you to bounce out of that with a positive and broader perspective in light of what you've gone through. Um, what is the biggest lesson that you learned through all of this? Don't take anything for granted. Hmm. I'd say that because, you know, I never cherished, you know, just going to school. I, no kid likes going to school. <laughs> you know, there's probably a few know, out there who do. <laughs> there, there, probably, there probably is, but you know, most kids don't want to wake up and go to class. But when that's when that's even taken away from you, and you know, being able to walk to the kitchen without being tired, without feeling exhausted, walking to your kitchen, or just being able to hang out around your friends without kind of feeling insecure by yourself, or you feel like you're different than everybody else in that situation. Um, yeah, you, you, it's hard, you know, it is. Can I ask you a really, really personal question? (laughs) Of course you can. (laughs) Okay. I appreciate it. Um, I'm guessing at some point during all of the treatment and during all of the news and just the journey you're on, there was probably times where you're like, I might die. How did you wrestle through that? Um, I did have a moment where, you know, I thought about it very deeply one time. Um, but I just didn't let that thought sit around, Yeah, you know, I, I thought about it and then, all right, I let it go away. Cause if I'm going to survive this thing, I can't, you know, you, you can't I can't put the, the doubt in my head of what if I don't, you know, mm-hmm. and here you are. And that's, what's so amazing about the miraculous story you're sharing. And I believe in miracles just because I'm with you a lot. And the reality is, is to beat this was huge. But then on top of it, now you're performing at high levels in Division One football. So it's like, not only are you, did you survive it, because I was listening to the ESPN special and they were talking about you were just wiped out, losing weight, fingernails turning black. I mean, they went after that yeah. cancer. <laughs> and then they didn't even get it all and had to go in for a life-threatening surgery to get the final bit, correct? Yeah, I mean, it, was, it, was, uh, it was connected to my spine kind of in the back. So she kind of told me, like, we can get it. You could die during the surgery. Or if we don't get it, you know, it's not going to be good for you down the road. So I didn't, I kind of, I didn't even hesitate. Um, Told my mom, I was like, all right, well, we're doing the surgery then. (laughs) There's, there's no way. I mean, if I'm going to get a 50-50 chance on one end and then pretty much a zero chance on the other end, i I'd rather take 50-50. You're a mathematician. You're running those stats and say, <laughs> right? But seriously, but I mean, the fact that all of that turned out like it did, 
it's miraculous. Um, you know, it's interesting. We talk a lot about you and I personally about faith and about God. And um, I'm looking forward to even year two because year one was obviously with COVID and all the things. We didn't get as much time together as we would have liked. But, you know, you and I actually share a, a special moment before every game. And I do. I travel with the team. I'll be at every home and away game again. I make you this commitment this year. I'll be at every home and away game again. And and we usually find those few minutes before the game to pray together, which again, I didn't initiate with you. You initiate with me. You're like, hey, can we say a prayer together before the game? And that's actually one of the most amazing highlights of the game for me. I mean, obviously I like when you guys win. I like <laughs> I like when you score. <laughs> I like when those things happen, when you perform at your, your highest level. But to be able to pause and to pray and to kind of put ourselves both in a posture of gratitude, in a posture of humility, um, before you go crush the opponent, it's just a really cool thing. Obviously, you found your faith, and your faith is back, because you're asking me, uh, even as a life coach, and as someone who is closely connected to your team, to be praying with you. Um, why is prayer important to you, even before a game? Um you know, I like to thank God before every game, you know, because he gave me the ability again to play a sport that I love. So um, that's one reason. But also, you know, it helps me calm down before the game. Uh, you can ask a lot of my teammates. I'm a very anxious person when it before a game. So, you know, when we do that prayer before the game, it kind of helps me relax, calm down, and kind of just focus on what I need to get done. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice when we pray together, I don't pray that you'll win, and I don't pray even that you'll score. I'll pray that you you will be free of harm, that you have a selfless perspective, that you'll think team over me, and all the things around the game that I think are the most important part about playing football. Um, but then once we say amen and you walk away, I say a private prayer. God, that they would win. <laughs> but I'll say that for our, my personal prayers. Because you guys have worked so hard. You've come so far. We're building a program. But honestly, what's allowing this program to be built to the point that it is now and really on the verge, I think, of the tipping point is having extraordinary young men like you who have come in, who want to win, who want to work hard, but also men who have faith, who see their lives as part of a bigger picture who truly believe in miracles. You know, it's just the beginning in our friendship. Obviously, I'm excited to be with you the next couple of years, and I want to encourage all of our listeners and our viewers, uh, Jaden, if they've not, just Google you, Jaden McKinstry, find your story on ESPN, (laughs) follow you on Instagram, because you are going to be someone that people want to keep an eye on for a very long time, because this is just the beginning of your story. Um, It is far, far, far from the end. It's great having you a part of our family. It's great having you in our home. It's great having you connected to our kids. And thanks for taking a few minutes with me today, right before summer camp um, launches in a in just a few days. So uh, it's it's a pleasure to be with you today in the studio. Thank you for having me. Love you. For life coaching, consulting services, or to hire a keynote speaker, please visit dmbcoaching.com.